so I just turned. At least we got something there. Yeah, I'll. Well, I'm gonna you post the video too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna post it as a video and audio if that's okay. Unless you wanted just audio, then I could do just audio. Oh uh, no, we can do video too. All right, cool. Um, just give me a second. So it's uh, it's been a while since the last time I saw you, huh? It's been I think it was 2016. Okay. I went with uh, Francisco. He was gonna get married. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, totally. Francisco was gonna get married, and and you needed a ride from Colorado to um, Kansas City, right? Did I? Yes, for some reason. And then you came with me and Francisco. And remember, I was rapping a little bit because I, I can only rap well when I'm nervous. And I and I didn't even like I all of a sudden as we were driving, I was feeling like I could rhyme well. I don't know. That's just the way my mind works. Like I was coming up with rhymes. And I was like, huh, I must be nervous right now because we're so far away from home or from San Diego. So I just started rapping. Remember that? And then we started recording some freestyles and stuff. Yeah, totally. That was, that was fun, man. And I was like. I was really impressed. I really enjoyed hanging out with you because I could just see so much dedication and devotion. And, and I'm really inspired by that, man. Um, because like, I mean, that, that's, that's the way that, that I always was like, whatever I do, I go all out and I see that in you. Is that what you say that that's true with you? Like you just go all out with it. Well, yeah, I tried to give my best effort, you know, like we generally, you know, fall somewhere short of our best intentions. But, you know, I'm I was given some encouraging words once that is, you know, you're the type of devotee who fails and fails and fails and fails and fails and then succeeds, you know, so that that has kind of, you know, pushed me along the way because you know we're, we're we're striving for the topmost goal here in krishna consciousness it's not something cheap to be had easily yeah. um you know but uh, we gotta maintain enthusiasm and and uh stay focused on the on the goal i love that man i love that the idea you feel because i feel like that characterizes the way that i am like i'm, I'm just gonna give one example with the rap music I failed and I failed and I failed. I wasn't even that good for so long. And, but then like, I remember one day I was at a, I was playing basketball at UC San Diego and we were at a party. And because I practiced so much and I would have my tape recorder the night before I was just making rhymes in my tape recorder. And I just was going, just, just, just rhyme after rhyme after rhyme and setting up all this stuff. And then at the party, when I was ready, it's almost like the universe conspires. The universe knows you're ready and you set it up and a manifestation occurs. And I just was, I was just there. And then someone puts up a camera to me and he says, Ryan, let's get a freestyle. And before that, I wasn't, I never really had that great of freestyles, but I remember it was almost like the divine took over. Uh -huh. And, and I, and I, and I had all those, but it's not just that I had all the practice. You have to be prepared. So that's what my grandpa talks about. You got to be prepared in order to get into the flow. You can't just, get you just can't get there out of, out of with nothing just 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 uh just random luck there's always preparation and it's and it's what's what's that saying good fortune is uh it favors the prepared so the night before i had all these rhymes in my head 
and I just let it go. But also at the same time, some spontaneity occurred. And I just had this amazing freestyle and everybody on my team was going crazy. They're like, oh man, that's amazing. They posted it up online. And, and then the same thing with, with writing raps. I, uh -huh. at first I wrote, I, I put everything in tape recorder, but then one day and I, and I was failing and failing. They weren't that good. But then one day my tape recorder broke and you would think that'd be a terrible thing, but it actually ended up, you know, these, these things that are uh, unfortunate that, that seem like mistakes or seem like they're negative it turns out to be something good because then I had it. I had all these rhymes in my head come in and I had to put them down. So I started writing all these rhymes that, that were, that were flowing through my mind. And I wrote it in a, in a free writing way. Cause I was having so many come and, and I didn't even think it was that good. And, and that's a, actually a quote in the Bible. It was like that the stone that the builder rejected will be the capstone. I was going to reject it. I was like, whatever, it's not even that good. But then I read oh. it, to, read it to my cousin and my cousin was like, Whoa, that's amazing. I don't know why I read it to my cousin, but I read it to her. That, that, that's another good fortunate thing that happened. So I was like, it's amazing. And I looked over it. I didn't even really know what I wrote because I was in like a, a free writing mode. Uh -huh. and, then, and then from then on, I started, just started free writing. And I had a bunch of you know, amazing raps that I did after that. But then uh, we don't need to get into it. But then raps ended up being thrown away and stuff. But it's a long story. But regardless, I feel like the same thing that you said with the uh, with. Like you fail and fail and fail, but then you succeed. And same thing with the basketball. Like, but the thing is, you got to keep failing. You got to keep going because otherwise you're never going to succeed. And a lot of people, they, they, a lot of people are good at being mediocre, Nakunja. A lot of people are just good at that. And, and they're good at somewhat succeeding all the time. But yeah. I feel like we're going, we're, we're putting all our effort in and going all out and then, and failing and failing. But then, when it comes to the big, the, when it, when it matters, then that's when the success is happening because we're not, we're not going halfway. So yeah, to tell me about how you got involved with the Hari Krishna and, and I know that, um, well, I mean, we're recording, right? Sorry. Yeah, 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 I was not totally aware. I wouldn't have been fiddling with my phone oh, the whole time. Oh, no, okay. oh, no, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, it's all good, man. But yeah, just tell me, like, I, I remember when I was there, you were, you were getting married, right? You were, you're dating. Are you still, are you married to her right now or? No, uh, no, actually that, that relationship came to a wrap. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember when I was with you, I mean, I, I was just, like I said, I was really amazed because it, it did inspire me a lot. Cause I see you waking up five, five o'clock, maybe earlier in the morning and you're, you're doing the, the pujas and I see you, you know, doing the studies and, and, and you're, you're, you're really researching this and you, in your, your language, your vocabulary, the way that you're expressing yourself. I remember that inspired me. I was like, I want to be able to express myself like that. You know, talking, I remember you're using words like it's astonishing. And these, these like really fancy, beautiful words. And that, that, that I like that because I'm, I write my raps. So I want to have these, these words for my raps. I don't want to get back into basketball and rap, but I'm listening to you talk about this stuff. And I remember another dude was listening to you talking afterwards after the talk. He was like, wow, that was a really, that was a really awesome talk. I really, I really liked that a lot. So just, yeah, but just tell me, Nakuja, how you got involved, or how you got introduced to Hare Krishna, what age, when, and what you, like, what was your spiritual background before that? Okay, sure. In brief, I mean, I, I got uh, introduced to the Hare Krishna movement at pretty early age, 16. Um, and pretty much right when I turned 16, that's when, uh, I went vegetarian. And when I went vegetarian, 
I felt my mind open up. I felt uh, much lighter energetically and I uh, just my mind opened up and I wanted to learn about spirituality, about meditational practices, about what is this kind of higher purpose that a lot of people attribute to life that is spiritual life. And so, uh, so I was in school at the time, not really happy with the curriculum, not really happy with the school environment, was really only interested in music and in spirituality, learning about spirituality. And so I was really ripe. Uh, I was a ripe fruit for the picking when I came and met some Hare Krishnas in the street. Um, you know, I was, my interest was peaked. Um, you know, as soon as I saw them chanting, actually my first encounter was with the book distributor. He was standing on the 16th street mall downtown, shaven head, white robes, uh, you know, out there distributing Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is like, uh, the Bible of India. It's our primary text in, in Bhakti Yoga. And so he showed me the Bhagavad Gita. He said, this is a, you know, a, um, conversation with God and his friend Arjuna on a battlefield on this planet 5,000 years ago, uh, talking about the essence of spiritual life. I said, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. I'd like to know about that, but I didn't have a donation, so I didn't take it. Okay. So I, I, uh, went to the same spot, not too uh, long after that. And I saw them chanting. I saw a group of devotees chanting. They were sitting down and some of them were standing up and, um, they were just completely absorbed in this chanting that they were doing. And they were emanating something really wonderful. And I just kind of stood there and took it in for a while. And I said, wow, they kind of look like they're doing what I, you know, am hoping to do. That is to really set my consciousness on a fast track upward, you know, to really rise above the mundane. They look like perhaps that they're doing that. I'd like to learn some about what they're doing. And so anyhow, the second time I saw them doing that, I went back to the temple with them because my mom was not happy with me. She kicked me out of the home probably for smoking pot or something, you know. Um, uh, it was a, yeah, um, it was a challenge at, at home because I was a troublemaker and, you know, wanted to do what I wanted to do. So anyhow, I was kicked out. I had the perfect opportunity. I said, yeah, well, I ain't got no strings attached to me right now. I'm just going to go with you and check this out. And so I went and I stayed in the temple for a week. And uh, the first morning that I uh, woke up early, four o'clock, went to the morning program and uh, did the musical chanting uh, with the devotees in the temple and then sat down for japa meditation and started chanting the Hare Krishna mantra uh, on beads. There was perhaps up to two dozen people in the temple room doing that. And at that point, when I got into the chanting, um, I was just kind of, overwhelmed uh, uh, as I took it all in, uh, having the realization that, well, this is a lifestyle that uh, somehow or other incorporates everything I've come to value at this point, you know, vegetarianism, you know, thoughtfulness, uh, analytical study of our existential situation, meditation, you know, community, uh, all these things are like in one package here. I, I think this might, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, for me, this might, this might actually be a track that I can, um, take to. And so, so yeah, that was kind of my introduction. I had a good week in the temple and I just started going regularly after that so I could learn more and go deeper. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was still open. I, I was, I wasn't dedicated at that point. I was still like learning plenty about other paths and, um, mm. 
and all that, just taking on, taking in everything that I could to expand my understanding so that I was confident that I was, you know, well-rounded and like fully knowledgeable in whatever I did. But um, when it came, you know, two years of involvement, um, I had like, you know, uh, I reached a tipping point uh, in my realization and in my learning and <clears throat> Krishna kind of flipped the switch in, in me one, excuse me, <coughs> I got to drink some water, sorry. Okay. Krishna kind of flipped the switch in me one night and I realized that, <coughs> excuse me, uh-huh. that, you know, Krishna, you know, that God is a person and, and all this business is really serious about you know, reawakening our personal relationship with them. And if we want to do it, you know, we should do it and do it intentionally. You know, so then I, at 18, I became dedicated to the process. Yeah. And the way that I see it is whatever, because even the Hare Krishna recognizes that the Bible is, is, a, is a book that was inspired by God or just inspired by the divine. And same thing with the Quran. And, you know, any of these practices, any of these spiritual paths are going to be, have a benefit, are going to be beneficial for you. Just, just the act of performing these rituals and these devotions, they have a transformative effect, no matter what, when you're doing. And, uh, and the thing, but I love, I, I really love the Hare Krishna. I love how there's so much, there's so much learning involved in it. And and, and also the fact that there is a lot of discipline and there's a lot of community and, but yeah, so just tell me a little bit more about before you, before you got um, incorporated, before you joined the Hare Krishna, um, did you, were, were you practicing, were you, were, did you go to church and, and also did you ever, were you ever considering like when you were younger that you wanted to be a vegetarian, even before you knew about Hare Krishna and I mean, did that ever cross your mind? Did you ever have an inkling that maybe like, cause, cause for me, I always, when I was a little kid, I had kind of a, almost like a premonition that I was going to do, do something like really big with like, with spirituality with, and it ended up being the quadrant model. I knew I was going to discover something huge. Like, but did anything happen with you like that, that would suggest like maybe you had some sort of premonition or some sort of um, idea beforehand that this is the path that you were going to go on even though you didn't even know what Hare Krishna was probably back then but but yeah I mean did you have a compassion for animals too or just like why do you think it is that you that this was the path that that drew you sure well like I said I was introduced at quite an early age age 16 but uh growing up you know, I, I went to church with my great grandmother since I was really small. Yeah. You know, I was going to the first Presbyterian church, you know, in Littleton, Colorado, where I grew up uh, each Sunday with my great grandmother. So, uh, yeah, I definitely grew up with a presence of, of God and, uh, uh, you know, some type of awareness of God. And uh, then when I went to, <clears throat> say, elementary school, yeah, elementary school, I was going on Bible camp with my friends. That was a blast. That was um, that was an opportunity for me to really uh, make uh, you know that internal connection to God to uh, actually like start spending time 
you know, in worship and uh, like try to be present with God. I just remember being, you know, gathered around the campfire and, you know, singing, uh, singing uh, praise songs and, and beginning to feel that, that connection that felt really significant, that felt, you know, really divine. And, uh, you know, then as I got older, I went to public school, which was the turn, which is a turning point for me. I was in charter school up until sixth grade. Uh, and then, you know, sixth grade, middle school, I went to public school. Mm-hmm. And so life became a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more challenging. And, um, uh, I got, you know, I took to music as an outlet. Uh, uh, spirituality wasn't really a thing for me yet. It was just kind of the social atmosphere in school. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to church camp or I wasn't going to the Bible chapel anymore. It was, I was kind of felt like I was like just uh, tossed in the deep end of, of life and, you know, just figuring out how to swim um, in that environment. And so I took to music. And uh, music was a great uh, medicine for me. Uh, really uh, got into rock and roll, you know, got, got, you know, into pretty hard rock and roll, heavy metal, kind of, you know, took the reins uh, for a couple years there. And uh, I think just kind of that atmosphere, I mean, it was nice. It had a lot of value, but the darkness uh, aspect of rock and roll and heavy metal kind of, you know, had its effect too. So I, you know, was kind of uh, definitely affected by the kind of, for lack of better words, atheistic nature of a lot of rock and roll. And um, so I think that that kind of stuck a gear in my, or a wrench in my gears as far as my theistic development at the time, yeah. um, you know. And so I, I, I didn't have much of a personal conception of God during those years, but uh, when I turned 16, uh, I went to a, a high school uh, that was, uh, well, not that it's any significance really, but um, it was like 95% African American. Oh, no. So I was like in another, I, I was in another like kind of alien environment to me, but that was a blast. Um, anyhow, when I was going to that yeah. school, um, when I was going to that school, I saw a poster on the wall. And in the cafeteria, and that poster was talking about how if somebody doesn't eat meat for like one day a week, then they save like X amount of animals' lives per year. And that was really the catalyst for me to start thinking in the in the in the direction of vegetarianism. Before that, I don't know that I had given it any consideration. I had to see something to get me thinking and that was it that poster and so uh you know naturally the the suggestion came up again and in, in other in other ways uh you know what about you know eating less meat or cutting it out altogether so within that same year i that's the decision that i came to um it was both a, a moral decision and a health decision mm-hmm. you know at the time and uh my mom was immediately you know, supportive. She started cooking all kinds of wonderful, you know, vegetarian things at home. And so I just thought it was great. And um, I had, I had, I never struggled with vegetarianism at any point. Some people do. I didn't, like the world of food opened up at that point. You know, I, I got to taste so many new things. Uh, anyhow, 
the uh that was the you know that's kind of the gross side of it the food but the subtle aspect of that is that you know uh like you know i i started feeding my mind differently also you know like uh i my mind opened up and i became inquisitive as to well okay you know we have a part to play in this world well what is that part you know and what what is the what is the greater uh, standard of happiness that is to be had um and the greater standard of education you know what is the spirituality thing and so um so I, I feel like vegetarianism played a, played a big part in 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 uh, opening up my my energy and my and my mind to that I, because you know <clears throat> as long as we're committing violence, which is a uh, you know kind of a low frequency, you know intentionally or unintentionally, mm. um, yeah. then they, they kind of restricts our energy, restricts our 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 capacity to be compassionate and to think in terms of what's beyond myself what's beyond my own bodily senses and you know like how to relate with the rest of creation rather than just like what's going on in my immediate world you know so uh yeah so i talked about the vegetarianism i talked a little bit about my um spirituality and my up my upbringing and uh yeah i mean I, by the time i was by that time, I had just become really eclectic. I was learning about shamanism. I was learning about meditation. I was learning about, you know, all different, all different things spiritual. And uh, and I was and I was really musical. I was in a couple bands um, by the end of uh, high school. I was in several bands and um, yeah. So that, that it was really nice to have that that kind of that framework uh, in place when coming to bhakti yoga which is so much focused on sound and you know kirtan meditation is like our primary uh practice in bhakti yoga which is you know musical mantra meditation um so anyhow i saw i saw looking back you know that just krishna was uh, preparing me you know in all types of ways shaping me molding the clay um so that you know in the future i can i can take to uh this focused you know, method of, of spiritual cultivation and, uh, you know, be in the right shape. I think, I think it's pretty cool. Um, there's a couple of things I want to mention is, yeah, you started off with the, with the rock music. So we're seeing kind of a, kind of a breaking free of conformity. Um, like it, it makes me think of a revolt rock music uh same thing with a little bit of rap, rap music as well but it's even in an extreme form in rock and you know what it makes me think of when i think of rock music is ravana because like ravana even means i think it means roaring or screaming and when i think of rock music i'm thinking of screaming and it's this desire you know i, I learned about in transpersonal psychology my grandpa's a transpersonal psychologist that behind every aberration there's a higher aspiration so we're looking at the positive behind this and these people you know the, the desire to scream and, and be violent and stuff this is a desire to transcend actually They're, they want to transcend the the normal mundane uh, conformist world and they know that there's a higher dimension a higher reality and and at least they're not settling for settledness in in this world and and their their re rebellion 
there's a there's a higher aspiration behind it. There's a higher meaning. And we even know with Ravana, he's a Shiva worshiper. And Shiva and Vishnu are actually one though. And you can, uh, he even gets salvation from Krishna or, or from Rama, who's Krishna, um, when, he, when he's killed by, by Rama. And the idea is we don't want to judge the people who are engaged in the, in the materialistic, ignorance-based world, because even, even someone who's devoted to that, he can still be saved. And Krishna saves Shiva or saves Ravana. And you see it throughout the mythologies where you'll see the Shiva worshipers. Yeah, they're engaged in a mode of ignorance. But at the same time, we know that there's Vishnu worshipers who are also doing things, but with, you know, they're, they're acting quote unquote righteous, but they have agendas and maybe they don't have a true transcendental consciousness. So we, but we don't want to judge either one, but the idea is the Shiva worshipers, they're also saved. And the thing is Vishnu wants the same, you know, Vishnu is Krishna and, and, and Shiva and Vishnu want the same thing. Even though the, the Shiva worshipers, they're acting um, kind of defiant and, and acting quote unquote sinful, Shiva will still save them. You know, they, they can still be baptized in the Ganges river and repent. And, and even they can, you know, Ravana, he, you, even through modes of, of acting kind of crazy, you can still transcend yourself. And at least somebody, you know, Jesus says, either be hot, cold, or, or don't be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Because somebody who's acting very ignorant, at least he could get himself in trouble and he can make a U-turn. Whereas someone who's just kind of in a, in a mediocre mode of existence, and he's still in a materialistic mind frame and not a transcendental mind frame, but he's just going along, going with the, you know, just go not not going hard at anything not really trying to get deeper understanding he might get stuck in that because he's going to have social confirmation and social sanctioning for his for his lifestyle whereas at least the ravana type of guy or the the punk rock guy at least he's going to get maybe some blowback and 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 he's going to find himself suffering in some mo in some manner and it's going to cause him to wake up and and then and then, then he has a chance of oneness, you know, of, of learning about Vishnu, of becoming one with Vishnu and, and, and that, that, that mode of lifestyle um, of, you know, Krishna worship. And, uh, and you, he can make that U-turn and, and he can have that transformation. Um, but yeah, so, and then I think it's really fascinating that, um, that you went to a school with 95% quote unquote black people. And we know that black itself is a social construction. And because really there's no such thing as a black person because that was something that was imposed on people, this title black, what does that even mean? It was imposed for economic motivations in a lot of ways. And because, you know, these, these people, they were, they were in tribal Africa and it's not because they, they were quote unquote dumb that they didn't have agriculture. It was because of the environment. I just listened to a book by Jared Diamond. It, it, they have a north-south axis in Africa and they have uh, cattle or they, no, they have animals that are undomesticable. You can't, you can't domesticate, you know, rhinos and stuff like that. So they had a different type, they had a tribal societies. So they, they were, it was easy to exploit them. And, you know, but back then people didn't have Krishna consciousness. 
the quote unquote, a lot of the Christians, they didn't understand the, the, the oneness that everything is Krishna, that, you know, in the, in the beauty of, of the transcendental mode of being. And they were still, even though they're, they're worshiping Jesus, they're still in a materialistic frame of mind. And they didn't really understand the Bible. But back then, people didn't have all the access they have to, to deeper understanding and knowledge that they have now. And even if they did, it was, it was at different times back then. So they, you know, they, they exploited the people for, you know, to make money, to make profit. And they adopted, they made up this idea that there's quote unquote black people. But the idea, but the, but the problem with that, and, and people identify with their bodies. And that's what one thing I love about Krishna, you know, Hare Krishna is, is, is it introduced people to the idea that you're not your body, that you're not your physical body. And, and yeah, there's, there's no such thing as a quote unquote black person or a quote unquote white person. So then, yeah, so there's economic motivations and, and psychological factors that went into this idea that there's black people, but people still maintain it. People still holding on to it. And, but I think that, yeah, with ideas like that Krishna consciousness can, can bring about and same thing with just, just, just the Hindu, these Hindu ideas and even like spiritual Christianity and spiritual Islam that's, that's, that doesn't go, that doesn't get, that, that has transcendental modes of understanding. We can we can go do that, but but we what we do see is though in this world, you know, you, you said you went to a, a school with ninety five percent quote unquote black people. You're going to see differences because these these people they grew up in the ghetto and they grew up being told that they are black, and they they identify with it. And they, and how do you blame them? If you grow up in the ghetto, you don't have the same type of education. You're in a system that's disparaged quote unquote black people for so long, and a lot of these people they internalize these stereotypes. And, and you internalize this, these ideas and you're going to find a lot of rebellion in those types of places. And like, like me, I grew up with hanging out with mainly mostly black people. Cause I was playing basketball on you know, a lot of the best basketball teams in the country. And I saw that for sure. You know, a lot of the quote unquote black people, they, they, you know, they're, they're engaging in quote unquote sinful activity, but what do you expect if you're brought up in a culture that tells you that you're black tells you that black people are this way. Okay, yeah, black people are quote unquote, more sinful, whatever. And then you internalize these ideas. Okay, that's the way I am. And, and you people, it's called the stereotype effect. People adopt what their culture expects of them. So, and, and yeah, and, and, but, but the beautiful thing is there is, there is ideas that, that, you know, philosophies like Hare Krishna's teachings introduce people to that, that you are not your body. These people are not black. And if I believe that I'm black, if I believe that I'm Jewish, if I believe that I'm white, if I believe then I'm going to act like that, but we don't have to believe any of that. Yeah. And, and what, what Hare Krishna talks about is, is that we're a soul, right? So, so tell me maybe a little bit more about like, yeah, your, your, your experience with the, I mean, that's fascinating to me because I mean, I, we have kind of like a similar experience in that manner. Like just, uh, just your experience with uh, growing up, being in a high school with, 95% black people. And, and you're saying that you're a rock guy. I bet a lot of those guys were doing the rap music, but were they also doing rock music? Uh, can you tell me? I mean, I remember I liked Kid Rock and Limp Bizkit. They were kind of like rapper rockers. But yeah, can you tell me a little bit about, about that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my high school experience, I mean, wasn't, you know, fully, you know, I was, wasn't so spiritual in my mindset yet, uh, but, you know, yeah, okay, touching on those things, my experience, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of them, 
were into rock, I got to I got to realizing that because uh, I I started bringing my guitar to school and busking in the hallways <laughs> during lunchtime and passing and off periods and whatnot. And uh, I was the only one to do that uh, for a few weeks until other other kids started bringing their guitars to school. And, uh, you know, maybe it was happening on some level before I came, but I started noticing it on a whole new level after I started busking in the hallways. I think I emboldened the, you know, the, the, those, those people who were rocking and rolling at home. They started bringing their guitars to school. There was other people busking in the hallways. And there's other people, you know, playing their guitars and whatnot. So, you know, rock and roll is an American staple for sure. And so even even at that um, that school, you know, everybody seemed to have an appreciation. I remember just, uh, you know, uh, screaming, in, uh, you know, in my performances, uh, what do they call Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah. Really listen to these guys, but, you know, some politically woke kind of heavy. And... Uh, so yeah. Anyways, we had plenty in common. Um, you know, me and the kids there. Um, and I was I was actually staying with a family who was um, you know, a, you know, African American family, and so I, I I didn't see myself as so much different. Um, you know, I saw more commonalities than I saw differences. Um, yeah. I was I was I was right up in the mix, but but I was focused in my rock and roll and and in my and in my personal um, spirituality studies, and that's when I started taking to, uh, like, you know, specifically energy work, you know, doing different types of meditation, you know, focusing on subtle energy and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, no, it was when I came to Bhakti Yoga that I started getting the real universal understanding that, you know, spiritually, we're all equal, you know, we're all prakriti, we are all the energy of the Lord, we are the described as the jiva shakti or the infinitesimal parts and parcels of the supreme whole um that are meant to be eternal uh blissful lovers of the lord and so in that sense spiritually we're all equal materially you know there will always be differences and in, in spiritual in the spiritual world uh, there's uh you know what we have uh, very detailed descriptions of the spiritual world in our bhakti yoga scriptures there's a variety there too it's not all just a homogenous uh, you know, light, like some people um, get the idea, um, but uh, there's variegatedness there too, but but there's equality and there's um, a service attitude. Uh, in the material world, we're all seeking to dominate and control, you know, our own, you know, and see ourselves as the central enjoyer. But in the spiritual paradigm, you know, God is in the center. Uh, he's the most He's Krishna. Krishna means all attractive. He's the most beautiful. He's the most wise. He's the most strong. He's the most wealthy. He's the most famous. He has all attractive qualities to an unlimited degree. So naturally, he's in the center. That's reality. That's the supreme spiritual reality. But in an illusion where we see ourselves as the central enjoyer and we're identifying ourselves as this material body, uh, which is a mistake. That's um, a, a fundamental illusion that facilitates uh, our, our experience of trying to lord it over the material nature, seeing ourselves as the central enjoyers. So, you know, the first teaching of yoga is that we're not this body. Sarvapati vanir muktam is Sanskrit, which means, you know, spiritual life means to become freed from upadis, from these false conceptions of self, that I am American, that I am Indian, I am 
black, I am white, I am brown, I am Christian, I am Muslim. All these forms are temporary and they're attributed to us for only a short time. This body is like a vehicle. You know, I may drive a Toyota, but I don't identify as a Toyota. That would be madness, you know. Um, you know, but, you know, but we're in the, the vehicle. Somebody may see me driving my Toyota down the street. They may say, there's Nakunja, you know. So for practicality's sake, we, we, you know, we identify with the vehicle. But we got to understand if we want to get a grasp on reality and start relating in a deeper, more real, you know, way that benefits everybody that we're not these bodies. And that, um, you know, to simply pay attention to the body and the bodily needs and neglect the needs of the soul, the spiritual needs of the self is like having a bird in a bird cage and uh, polishing the cage very nicely, but forgetting to feed the bird inside, you know. So therefore, the, you know, the bird becomes neglected and, uh, you know, the health deteriorates, you know, and dies. So. So spiritually, spiritually, you know, a lot of people in the world are mal malnourished, you know, due to being uh, putting too much significance on polishing the birdcage, on you know, seeing you know that I that the, the the material necessities of life are in place, that you know I have a that I have you know a nice job and that I have you know a nice home and that I surround myself with nice people. Um, that's all fine and well, but, uh, you know, what about, you know, the extended needs of the self? What about what happens after this body deteriorates, you know, in just a few years, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what about, what about that? You know, um, what's going to happen to you then? We should give some thought to that, uh, and make some plans and preparations in Sanskrit. This is called Shreyas and Prayas. It means short-term planning and long-term planning, mm -hmm. you know? We shouldn't neglect our material uh, situation. We should be responsible and maintain our health and, you know, have good financial health and, uh, you know, social health and all these things is fine. But um, it should be done in a way that doesn't uh, put a, uh, a lack of emphasis or not enough attention to our, our shreyas, our long-term well-being, which is, you know, we're 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 moving through this material experience but we've been doing it for many lifetimes according to the vedas you know it's not life is not just you know this this one this one body this one life and then everything's finished no we're eternal spirit souls and we're on a, a long journey here so we should <clears throat> we should see you know where we're coming from and where we're going uh, this is called sambanda, or, or our real relationship with the material energy and the Lord. And that's like our roadmap. Understanding our sambanda is important before we can get into the goal, what is the goal of life, and how to, how to achieve it. And in the Bhakti Yoga scriptures, um, give this complete roadmap. They, they give so much knowledge, such depth of understanding, that we can see what is our real relationship with uh, the Lord's energy, all the different has variegated energies. And what is our relationship with the Lord, and how to coexist, you know, in a in a right way with all these energies and with the Lord. And so, so that that was that was my breakthrough when I came to that understanding. You know, then I could really relate with not just the you know the African Americans in my school, but with all living entities. Uh, you know, seeing 
you know, just like I believe it was St. Francis talking about, you know, uh, brother, brother bear, brother tree, you know, uh, you know, mother river, you know, sister butterfly, what have you. Um, and, you know, Srila Prabhupada, our guru said, yes, this is real God consciousness, you know, that one can see the soul in the body. In the Bhagavad Gita, it said that a learned and gentle Brahmana, Brahmana means, you know, a spiritual person, spiritually minded person, a learned and gentle Brahmana sees with an equal eye, you know, an, an elephant, a dog, you know, and a dog eater, you know. And so, so like that, uh, that's real spiritual vision that, yeah, we have nothing to do really <clears throat> with these material bodies. They're just vehicles. And uh, we should, you know, live in, in, in a real way, and recognize uh, that the, the living entity, the person inside the body is what we're relating with, not just the body. I think it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Prakriti and that we were, we're Prakriti and then and it's like the idea of energy. And I've always, you know, I've always wondered what that means. Like, you know, you hear that a lot of spiritual people, they'll say like everything or some spiritual people, they'll say everything is energy. I know my grandpa would say that a lot, like everything's energy, but, but what, what does it mean? Like, okay, this, this Prakriti, this energy that we are that. And like, what does that mean exactly? Sure. So there is God, right? The Supreme Personality of Godhead. And God is everything, but he exists uh, independently from everything also. This is the conception that's given to us in the Bhakti scriptures. And the, the fundamental uh, uh, teaching here is called Achintya Beta Beta Tattva. It means God is one with and simultaneously different from everything. And this is inconceivable, achintya, to our, you know, conditioned brains. And uh, so, so God is a person. Uh, he's Satchitananda. He's not a material person. He's, uh, he's eternal. He's full of knowledge and full of bliss, which is ever increasing. Okay. And, but for the sake of his own pleasure pastimes, for the sake of enjoying being alive, he expands himself in his energies. All, everything in creation is God's expanded energy. And so that, that energy uh, takes different forms. His spiritual energy is known as the Chit Shakti, or the conscious energy, you know, the Haladini Shakti, which is his pleasure potency. This is, you know, what makes up the substance of the spiritual world, the eternal spiritual reality, which, which is uh, always existing, which is self-effulgent, which is blissful by nature. Um, this is this is our real home. This is the superior nature of the spiritual world, and uh, so there's also the inferior nature, inferior energy, which is this material energy. Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita, Bina Prakritir Ashtadha, his eightfold Ashtadha. Yeah, his eightfold separated material energies: earth, water, fire, air, ether. Mind, intelligence, and false ego are what makes up the subtle, uh, the subtle, those are subtle elements that make up the subtle body, okay? Mm -hmm. And so these are all, these are all energies. Uh, they're, they're God's expanded energies. Uh, and so the superior nature, which is spirit, is conscious and eternal. And uh, the, the inferior nature, 
which is matter, is not conscious. It's inert, and uh, the forms of matter are temporary, although material energy and essence is also eternal. It's constantly changing, so it's therefore said to be temporary. So like that, everything that exists in creation is, uh, you know, is energy. Uh, and even us, the living entities, we're also energy, prakriti. Uh, and uh, all of the energy is meant, uh, is, is existing in relationship to its source, right? Uh, and that source is called purusha. Purusha means person. Purusha also means enjoyer. So the Lord expands himself in these energies for the sake of pleasure, for the sake of enjoying. And so uh, the perfection and the real happiness of the self and the perfection of the uh, material energy also is to be used in such a way that is according to the Lord's desire, uh, that is uh, used in such a way that brings him pleasure, that increases his pleasure. And so if we can live in such a way uh, we can, you know, learn the science of, you know, what are God's likes and dislikes and how to live in harmony with that, um, that person, then, then we can experience life in a, according to the spiritual dynamic of ever increasing bliss and knowledge. As long as we're devoid of that, um, then uh, the, this, you know, Jiva Shakti, the superior energy of Krishna, the living entity who's wandering through the material world, is an illusion and is lost and is um, uh, not in full harmony with our original pure spiritual nature and will never be satisfied. It makes me think of a quote from the Bible um, that you mentioned at the end about the knowledge that man doesn't live off of bread alone, but by the word of God by the by the Torah by the study and you know that's that's the idea between the materialistic conception that we are separate we are identified with our bodies but then there's that spiritual conception okay we're, we're prakriti you know and, and it's, it's this idea of Krishna that that's beyond the, the naturalistic materialistic uh, viewpoint but <clears throat> it, it what's so fascinating to me is how the reality kind of can really easily entrap you into the idea that of of separation and uh and, and carnality and it's like a dream i think of it like a dream where when you're in a dream the dream is going to try to make you think that you're real and that that person right there is your mother and you want to have sex with her, you know, that's what Freud said, or, you know, crazy stuff that happens in dreams. And it, and it makes you think, okay, there's a monster right there and it's chasing me. And I think I'm real. And, and, and the dream is trying to, trying to engross you into this, into the protection and promotion of your, of your dream body, which we know is an illusion, but in a dream, it seems so real. And I look at reality kind of like that. It's like reality really can trick you into the materialistic frame of mind. But also at the same time, it's almost like it, it has a gradually, it's, it's almost like you can't see it all at once, right? But it will guide you. It will, it will uh, evolve you and like provide for you an outlet means to slowly and gradually 
come to the realization, truth realization. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so you, you mentioned that there was there was a material energy, and then what was the other one you called? It was like the, the transcendent one, the eternal energy? Yes, superior spiritual energy. And 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 I wanted to ask just just a little bit more about that because that's something that, that I'm always curious about. I'm just, you know, I hear different ideas. I hear some ideas where people will say, and I remember someone asked uh, Srila Prabhupada, how do I, how should I say his name? Should I say it Srila Prabhupada? Yeah, that's that's not. Yeah, that sounds good. So so people, I remember I listened to one person asked him, um, and and he's the guru who kind of founded the Hare Krishna movement. Am I? I'm correct in saying that, right? In, in yeah, America. he's the one who spread it around the world. Yeah. So, I remember someone asked him, like, "Well, are we all the you know the dream of God or like the mind of God?" And I didn't really catch what what Srila Prabhupada's answer was. Can I just say Prabhupada, or should I always say Srila? You can just say Prabhupada. That's fine too. Srila Sh- Sh- is a is a is a is like a title that means is someone who's really great so it's you know it's a nice thing to add but no we say Prabhupada all the time yeah i just want to i just want to say it in a respectful manner but but okay if, it, if it's okay to say Prabhupada just just for the sake of of saying it in a more economic way like so it doesn't take as much time yeah. but yeah so so Prabhupada when when he when he was talking about yeah so he asked him like are we like the mind of god and i and i wonder okay Maybe there, there doesn't need to be a, a dynamic. There doesn't need to be a separation, an idea that they're different. Maybe mind and energy are one, this Prakriti and the mind. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm making a false differentiation. Um, I sometimes wonder, you know, may, maybe the idea of energy, to, to me, that still consolidates you within reality. And I want to believe that there's nothing, period. Like, like that, that's more mind, that it's something that's completely non-physical and non-material. And, but I'm thinking, okay, but at the same time, okay, it's saying Prakriti energy. Why do we use the word energy? Why, why aren't we using the word that it's mind? Are we like in a dream of God or is it the energy of God? Or maybe those are, those are maybe linked. Maybe the dream is a form of energy. Maybe it's like a mind energy thing. I don't know. Do you see where I'm getting at, Nikunja? Can you, can you give, uh, maybe elucidate this? Maybe shed some light on this idea with them, you know, the, this question that I'm kind of uh, entertaining, like kind of struggling with trying to understand. Yeah. What, what is this energy? What is the energy? Is it mind and, 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 you know, the idea of mind and body. Okay. Wh- okay. There's a difference. There's a mind, there's a body, but is, is this all energy or is this like, how, what is, what is the, what are the scriptures? What are you, what are your, the gurus teach about all this? Sure. Yeah. It's important to understand these um, metaphysical uh, and supra physical spiritual dynamics. Um, before we can really move forward uh i mean so we are the soul right the living entity inside of a material uh uh, what's the word uh machine we're like a shell you know yeah and so uh it's described that in in our swarup in our spiritual form we have a mind you know, and we have a form. Okay, this is this is something for spiritualists to really wrap their mind around because individually on our own strength, it, we, one doesn't really come to that uh, uh, conception on one's own. 
very often that the soul has form and the soul has activities and the soul has a mind and all this um through our the strength of our own speculation uh you know one can only really come to the conception of of brahman of uh of that that spirit is beyond matter you know and and to really understand the variegatedness of spirit that is a science that has to be learned from through the descending process through this knowledge that's coming through superhuman sources coming from krishna himself and coming through tradition uh, the knowledge is so vast and so detailed it's it's um it's it's unverifiable through material means and it's authoritative knowledge that one simply has to accept this is called axiomatic truth of the vedas and the vedas are nothing but axiomatic truths some of it can be empirically verified those when it's talking about astronomical calculations this and that um but but the spiritual knowledge has to be simply accepted before we're pure enough to begin perceiving it so the soul has a mind the soul has a body the soul has activities but that that mind and that body is not different from the self that is us the atma the soul okay uh but when uh, we we come into contact with matter we're placed into a material body uh, and krishna says aham bija pratapita that he is the father of all these living entities he impregnates the living entities into the womb of material nature and it's uh durga devi maya shakti the uh, uh the, uh, the material energy is also a person actually everything in in creation is a personality so we learn the vedic paradigm that this material world we say mother nature but actually yes uh, the the personality of mother uh nature is 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 a woman her name is durga and she uh, gives birth to the living entity all the living entities in this material world and gives them their body okay and and krishna the the seed giving father bija aham bija pratapita it means i give the seed uh, krishna gives impregnates material energy with the seed of the living entity and we're given a material body and so that body this machine it also has uh parts or counterparts that are equivalent to uh a real person it, a body looks like a person right it you know it has a form it has a mind it has activities um but this form of a person is not real it's uh it's you know it's it's temporary it's imaginary it's illusory uh it's like a dream body when we're in a dream we're we're convinced of the situation right uh for the most part unless we're like you know an expert lucid dreamer or what have you this is another uh, conversation but uh we we identify with the circumstances so so anyhow uh going back to the structure of the thing this this mind is what carries us from body to body when the when the body is destroyed the mind continues and the mind that subtle body carries the soul into a new a womb right of another mother where another body is produced where we take birth again in one of the species of life and uh yeah yum yum bapi smaram bhavam at the time of death 
whatever state of being one remembers, that state he will attain without fail. So the culmination of all of our activities in this life um, happens at the time of death. You'll hear, one can go here, you know, online now, it's very accessible, many near-death experiences that people have had, all different types of people. And they'll all, you know, give a similar account of their experience. Uh, one common uh, theme there is that my life flashed before my eyes. You know, yeah. I could see I could see my whole life, you know, there before me, and um, and I felt that I was being judged, you know, and uh, and the Vedas tell us that um, whatever was most prominent throughout our life, whatever we're most attached to, whatever we cultivated the most, that kind of rises to the forefront during that experience of death or leaving the body, and and that which we cultivated the most that becomes prominent in our mind and that thought form will uh, largely help dictate our next body or our, the next phase of life that we're going to enter into so this is some of the mechanics of the thing um but even that mind that's carrying in carrying us from body to body uh that is also different from the self that's different from our pure spiritual mind that's different from our spiritual body and in, in the yoga process, in bhakti yoga, one uh, reaches a point of perfection. And uh, as approaching that point, one, one experiences what's called mukta lingaha, which means to become liberated from the mind. Uh, okay. but we, we, chant, we chant mantras. Mantra also means to free the mind. And so we're under the control of this uh, an inferior energy. Although the soul is superior to matter, we've, the, the matter is being controlled by God and controlled by Krishna. And so, therefore, you know, we're always under the control of God, whether we're on, in the material or in the spiritual you know, uh, condition of life. Um, but we're being controlled by this mind, thinking that I am man, I am woman, I am black, I am white, etc., uh, and in this way, we're changing our body again and again, even in this one life. I'm thinking, you know, I'm a young boy, I'm a young man, I'm a middle-aged man, you know, I'm an old man. Like this, we're changing, we get many different bodies, right? And we identify with them all. So like this, we, at the time of death, we get another body. And so, uh, but through practice of yoga, through practice of transcendence, spiritual life, uh, we we become freed, mukta lingaha, from from the the mind. Uh, that actually the, the 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 material mind actually dissolves uh, to uh, awaken, you know, our our full conscious potential. And you know, the the chitta, the mind, it it, it can it can extract, it can expand, and it can contract, you know. And so hmm. when we when we meditate. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> and especially on, you know, spiritual sound and spiritual, uh, spiritual ob objects, um, the man, the mind literally expands, it, it becomes bigger and it can take in more of our reality of our existential situation. And if we're simply focused on, you know, what's for breakfast, how am I going to, you know, meet my bills for the week, you know, you know. 
immediate, you know, material demands of the body and senses. That's the contracting of the mind that we can, we can only take in so much of our existential situation when we're focused so narrowly. So the spiritualist should recognize that um, ultimately there's God, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a divine, even if you don't have a, you know, a personal conception of God, you know, we can understand that there's a, there's a superior arrangement. There's some type of controlling, there's something controlling everything and that we're all being maintained by that something or someone. And, uh, and uh, we can place our faith in, in that, that, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's something that we're all being maintained. And so we don't, the, the spiritualist, you know, He's not so focused on the material, on meeting the material demands of the body. He sees that these things are already taking place. You know, God is, you know, be maintaining everyone. The, the elephant in the, in the jungle, he's eating, you know, how many, you know, dozens and dozens of pounds of food every day, drinking so many gallons of water, you know, he doesn't have to struggle to pay the bills, you know, like it's, it's not so necessary to uh, put over importance on these things uh, we should uh, give first priority to understanding the dynamics of our existential situation in relationship with god and his energies and to try to live harmoniously yeah i was i was gonna say oh but also nakunja we'll probably go maybe maybe like 10 minutes more but can we can we hopefully do another conversation soon maybe at some point and then we can get deeper into deeper concepts and maybe just talk about krishna's you know past times and everything too as well would you be down for that most definitely yeah but but i want to make i want to mention just a, like a quote from the bible about that is um <clears throat> it says seek first the kingdom of heaven and then everything else will be come unto you and i you love know, that one yeah. yeah and the idea is what do you are you, you first putting your mind on you broadening your awareness, as you said, expanding. Okay. Well, some words I like to use would be okay. But my grandpa mentioned, okay. Yeah. This, this body's like a spacesuit, and like we're astronauts or it's an encasing, but we're not the body. Um, but yeah, is, are, are you expanding your consciousness or is it, is that, is there a oneness consciousness, which would be more the kingdom of heaven? Um, that's more of, of seeing the connections that's a lovingness seeing lovingly as opposed to a self-confirmatory so when, when you think about the narrowing of the consciousness or the constricting that's bringing you into the separate self and think about it like a dream if 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 you were really identifying with your body with this self and now you're just focusing on eating food like you know bread uh sex and these activities that you think are, are designed that, that are helping you, but actually they put you in more trouble and they keep you, they narrow your consciousness. And ironically, paradoxically, that's going to actually harm your, your focus isn't to survive, but it's going to affect your survival in a, in a negative capacity. But then there's the, the spiritualist, the person who, you know, this, this is seeking first the kingdom of heaven and then everything else comes unto you. And, and that's when you're in a mode of, of oneness consciousness in, in a beautiful mindset. 
um, where, where you're moving beyond the body. And, and I think it's fascinating that you were mentioning, okay, yeah, we don't want to deny, okay, there's a body, there's the mind, and you said there's this. But in, at the essence, Nikunja, is it a spiritual? You said, you said that there's like the spiritual mind, but, but in the essence, is the body and all that really just a spiritual? But we don't want to deny that the body and stuff, we don't want to oppose them because, okay, that we're, we're seeing the illusion of them. But at the same time, there's something more elemental and, and essential. And, and that's the, is that Krishna? Is that the spiritual mind that you're mentioning? Okay, yeah, there is, the, there is the body and then there's the mind. But then there's something more elemental behind all that. That's, that's more, is, is that what you're trying to say there? Well, yeah, uh, beyond the body and mind, there's what's animating the body and mind. That is the self, the spirit, the atma. And so the Atma exists eternally. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Natvevaham Jatu Nasam. Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. So the body, you know, it is born and it grows, uh, you know, and it reproduces, it dwindles and it dies. It goes through these different phases of uh, growth and diminishing and death. But before and after that, the soul is existing. The soul's just passing through. So uh, God is the super soul, right? He's, he's within the heart of every living entity. He's the super soul of the universe. The universe takes place. You know, the whole universe is animated because of the presence of God. The body is animated because of the presence of the soul, uh, the Atma. And uh, so, yeah, that it, it's more subtle, just like material energy as the gross and the subtle, you know, we can see earth, water, fire, and air, but what we can't see is the ether, right? The mind and the intelligence and the false ego. But I have a mind. You, you can't see my mind, but you know, you know that I have a mind based on, you know, my attributes, my um, symptoms, you know, that I, I'm able to think and I'm able to reason with you and interact with you. So, you know, we, even more subtle than the mind and the intelligence is the soul. Uh, the soul is more subtle, so subtle that it can't even be, uh, it can't even be uh, detected with the most advanced material instruments. You know, we have no way to, you know, science has no way of understanding consciousness. You know, this is the, is the, is the great mystery of science, you know. Is, is the there any apparatus that can sense that, the soul? Is there any apparatus that can, or? There's, is there's there a, any what? Is, is there any instrument that can, that can sense, that, that can detect it, the soul, that you know of? Only another soul. <laughs> yeah, the, the material energy will always fall short um, in this regard. And that's by design. That's to really facilitate the, the desire of the living entity. To, uh, to identify with matter. Uh, see, the, the materialist thinks the spiritualist is crazy, right? <laughs> and the spiritualist thinks the materialist is crazy. This is because the Lord, you know, facilitates our life according to our desires. Desire is the driving force behind our experience. Um, you know, so if somebody wants to be in a in a situation thinking that themselves as the central enjoyer, well, then actually the Lord is so kind and merciful that he'll facilitate that. He'll provide all reason and all logic to understand that there's no God, that there's no soul, that life is just a one-time go free for all, 
you know, in, enjoy in whatever manner that you want at the expense of whoever you want. And it's warranted because everything is temporary. This is illusion, but um, the Lord's energy is so perfect. You were, as you were explaining that it's so convincing, yeah. especially to one who wants to be convinced, uh, you know, of the temporary, uh, you know, aspects of life that we can become completely blinded to the spiritual dynamic of life. That's so beautiful. Such a beautiful idea. And it makes me think of, of the YOLO idea. You only live once that the rappers talk about, like uh, Drake says YOLO, but in Hare Krishna, it's like, no, you, you live millions, trillions of times, or I don't know, maybe possibly even infinite. I don't know if that's even possible, but you live many yeah. lives. It's like you, yo, yo, mo, you, no, no, you live, actually you can't even make an acronym with it, but yeah. So What was I getting at though? Okay, so we have, we're talking about, oh, and then one other thing I want to mention though too is this idea of the worshiping of, of the mother goddess too. I know there's four main denominations in Hinduism. We have Vishnu worshipers, Vaishnavas, Vaishnavites, Shiva, Shaivites, the mother goddess worshipers, and then you have the Smartists who worship five gods in a quincux formation, but a part of, they worship Vishnu, Shiva, Surya is a sun god. Uh, Ganesha, who's like, he's a god of good fortune and luck. And uh, and what was the fifth one? Maybe, I forget. But, but anyways, yeah, five of them. And, and, but in a quin country, which is a cross formation. But the goddess worship, in terms of that idea, again, where we said, you, you seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else comes unto you. The goddess represents the more the material doesn't she, she, she represents more. I mean, even if you think of like the earth goddesses, yes, no, actually the goddess is one with, with Vishnu. So really it's, it's non-material, but in, in the, the relational conception, the, the, the relational like differences between them is that people who worship the goddess are more seeking material, material wealth and fortune. And uh, so, so it's, it's a little bit more self-confirmatory. But the idea is with the Vaishnavites and in your Vaishnavite, the Krishna worshipers, they, they worship Krishna, Hare Krishna, and Krishna is an avatar of Vishnu. Um, but you're, what, you, what you guys describe is that if you worship Vishnu first, which is like seeking the seek first the kingdom of heaven, then you or, then you gain the favor and the good fortune of the goddess automatically. So you seek first the kingdom of heaven and then everything else comes unto you. Some people are worshiping first the goddess, the material. They want money. They want uh, good relationships, a little bit more self-confirmatory. And then they, uh, you know, kind of, again, ironically have actually a less, a more difficult time achieving it, but they still might achieve it, but it's not going to be permanent. And there's going to be a lot of suffering involved, a lot of, a lot of struggle, um, in a lot of the cases, but again, the, the, they, they might, they might be really successful, but at the same time, they're not going to be fulfilled. Um, they're, they're not seeking first the, the knowledge, the awareness, the insight of God. And then that's what the Vaishnavites, that's what the Krishna worshipers are doing. Hopefully we don't, you know, we don't want to judge. We don't want, we don't know in every case, but they're first seeking beyond the self. And then the goddess then you get the favor of the goddess of Lakshmi. 
and 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 her so so that's so you first seek the kingdom of heaven and then everything else comes unto you then you're going to have if, if you're if you're first seeing that then you're going to have the material comfort but but that's not what you're seeking ironically like is is that it was that uh, accurate what i just described yeah yeah definitely um when we situate ourselves properly in a loving service relationship with the lord then everything else falls into place he won't he won't bring anything into our life that's not going to be favorable for cultivating that um you know that divine purpose and so uh to whatever degree that we're mature and able to handle it <laughs> you know yes he will bless us with wealth but not more than we need that's the thing uh so in the material world you know you know people are worshiping you know uh, people are you know fond of activities people are attached to activities namely enjoying you know the sense objects through the material senses but in the spiritual life we're attached to people namely the lord and his devotees and enjoying a loving reciprocation so yes the you know uh, it's a it's a common tendency for those in the material world to worship the material goddess Durga we were mentioning before to uh, receive you know temporary benefits of you know uh, a long life uh, you know a, a, a good husband a good you know a, a good bank balance and all these things uh, the influence over others you know position in society etc these things can all be had through the methods which are prescribed in the Vedas um, to achieve those ends. But uh, that's not, uh, you know, the ultimate goal. A higher form of worship is to worship that which is eternal, to worship the supreme eternal person, the source of everything that is Krishna, and, uh, and to become situated in a loving relationship. And then when that, you know, fundamental thing is in place, that relationship of, of loving reciprocation with God, then you know, uh, actually all the karma that was involved in our life, the, you know, actions and reactions that have developed over the course of time, they actually melt away and become insignificant. Krishna says, moksha shami ma just surrender unto me uh, and I will, you know, free you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear, you know. So, um, so one can become situated you know, beyond the actions and reactions of material nature, whatever good and bad we were allotted according to our, you know, what we deserve, mm. you know, is thrown out, is thrown mm. in. It's said that when one, you know, becomes a devotee of Krishna, his birth chart, his astrological birth chart is thrown into the Ganges River. Right? Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, it becomes irrelevant because then one is situated on the spiritual platform of loving reciprocation of Krishna. So, you know, um a, a devotee he's not in it, it's irrelevant to him what's uh, what the externals of the situation are what's significant is the loving reciprocation the internal you know bliss and understanding the state of consciousness that one is placed in in relationship to the supreme lord uh in in in, in you know with such richness such internal richness a devotee can be placed in any situation in heaven or in hell you know in any in any situation of life 
and be satisfied performing loving devotional service to Krishna. So if one is, uh, has developed uh, such maturity, then Krishna may bless him with lots of, uh, lots of wealth for the sake of uh, being able to serve him to a greater capacity in this world, being able to you know, spread you know, spiritual culture through the printing of books, through the facilitating of spiritual festivals, et cetera, building temples, you know, you know, to, to uh, you know, have many children to raise in Krishna consciousness, you know, there's, uh, you know, life is, is dynamic. And so Bhakti Yoga Krishna consciousness doesn't deny any aspect of life. All these temporary tools can be used in a spiritual way. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to get, you know, we don't want to become enamored by the temporary you know, tools, which are secondary to the, you know, the people involved, the Lord and ourselves. And, um, you know, we don't want to become attracted to trying to uh, enjoy the temporary situation at the expense of, you know, the enrichment of the spiritual loving experience of the Lord between the Lord and ourselves. Yeah, one, one thing I want to mention before we go, Nikuja, I mean, there's so many questions I have. One, one is on the whole birth chart stuff and the astrology and then and also on just idea of avatars. How many avatars are there right now? How many are, are there? Are, is everybody in a sense an avatar? You know, just questions like that. Um, but one thing that I want to just ask is uh, or just what I want to mention is just the idea to that we know that within every within everybody there's a there's a conservative tendency it's for some people more than others and i know that one thing that would happen to me is you know i had i would look at myself as having more quote unquote thick hair so i thought that maybe i had african ancestry so then sometimes i would act black quote unquote and it's so powerful how culture, if you identify with these things, how you can act in certain ways and, and, and people fulfill their roles within these paradigms and it, and it maintains a social structure. And maybe you know, that's just a tendency of existence where people want to maintain that stuff. But, but the thing is, I want, I want to hopefully people to, to recognize that these things are kind of artificial and what seems natural is is not necessarily natural. So I'm thinking in terms of also the, the idea that some people say that there's a kind of a dynamic in India between the um, between the quote unquote more dark skinned Dravidians who they say more often worship Shiva and the quote unquote lighter skinned uh, Vishnu worshipers who are more often in the north. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's that's what I heard. And And these stereotypes that we get, okay, people with quote unquote darker skin are more sinful or less intelligent and stuff like that and the thing is it's it, some of these things seem 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 like they're true because for instance there were well first off iq and stuff there's a lot of cultural biases with it and does it really what does it really measure but it, but also there's another aspects of it where a lot of it is environmental and what we can do is we can affect the environment so we can create a more unified world where people 
all have more uh, access to resources, prosperity, and and education, and, and especially education like Krishna consciousness, transcendental consciousness, transpersonal psychology. And that's all that we can do. You can't necessarily change the, the way that somebody somebody's genetics, his IQ necessarily, although there is ways that people say the environment does affect that. For instance, people who grow up in environments with more lead in the water, they tend to have lower IQs or, or less nutritious food. But, but yeah, so one thing I want to put, get across is that, that we see, we, we take for granted, okay, these things are natural. And people fulfill the stereotypes of their culture, the, the cultural matrix. And they, they adopt what, okay, I think that I look like this. Okay, I, and then they start acting like that. Because they're identifying with their bodies. They're identifying and they think, even even if you're identifying as quote unquote black or something and you're against the culture or you identify as as Mexican and you're against and you're you're still identifying with the body. I hope that Hari Krishna and and, and these other yeah I, I know that I'm 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 seeing it in a good I'm seeing positive things that we're I'm, I'm recognizing that a lot of the gurus and the leaders in the Hari Krishna movement and other movements are starting to re- acknowledge these these truths about stereotype effects and culture, social constructions and stuff. Um, and yes, there, there might be some differences between with between groups, biological, but what we can do is environment. So so what is hard what, what can Hare Krishna what is it, what are they what are we doing to to help to you know foster this Krishna consciousness and and do you think it's also important, yeah, to, to help to promote greater environments for people, education uh especially in in these concepts that are really life-changing and really can have a beneficial um outcome for people um any thoughts on you yeah sure so what are we doing to uh to uh bring about this revolution in consciousness well our primary activity is to chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This is the mantra that made Hare Krishna household world, household word around yeah. the world, particularly in the 70s and 80s. It was really common to go out into your city and see a group of people, you know, dressed in robes and chanting and dancing statically in the streets this mantra and uh so this chanting continues maybe not at, at, at that same capacity but we have a much more variegated venues that we're doing this chanting at now um all around the world uh in russia and india especially this movement is growing like wildfire and so this chanting is made up of names of god so we're connecting with god through the chanting of his names where we learn that God and his names are non-different. So this chanting is not a material sound vibration. It purifies the mind mm. of all of our misconceptions of all of our past karma and uh, allows direct spiritual revelation to rise up within our consciousness. Okay. Yeah. So the chanting is number one. We're, we're a movement of chanting. And uh, beyond that, uh, we chant uh, the four pillars of our 
movement are chanting, dancing, philosophizing, and feasting. Okay, mm -hmm. so we have philosophy. Uh, perhaps the most voluminous, you know, works on spiritual philosophy is here within the Hare Krishna movement, our Gaudiya uh, tradition. We have a vast number of publications that are translated directly from ancient Sanskrit, the oldest language on the planet, and Bengali, uh, Indian dialect, which much of our Gaudiya Vaishnava literature is uh, written in. And uh, so we philosophize, we analyze constantly, daily. Um, uh, you know, hearing about, you know, what is eternal and what is temporary, how to make the distinction and how to live in proper harmony with the two. Um, so we have books. We have lots of books. Bhagavad Gita is number one. Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. These are all um, literatures for the people of the world. They're translated in all different languages um, so that we can begin um, digesting um, this philosophy, this analytical understanding of who we are and what the purpose of life is and how to uh, pursue it, how to fulfill it, um, we should understand. We, you know, Some people see us chanting and dancing and think that we're just a bunch of sentimentalists, that we've come to like this chanting and dancing so much. And you know, so here we are chanting and dancing. But no, actually, there's a very deep, vast, and complete philosophy behind it. And one, it would behoove anybody to learn a little bit um, about that. At the very least, you know, we all know a little bit about Christianity. We all know a little bit about Islam. We all know a little bit about Buddhism. So now's the time for uh, Sanatan Dharma, you know, uh, the eternal religion of the self, the eternal nature of the self, this uh, long-standing tradition, the oldest tr spiritual tradition on the planet, which comes to us through superhuman sources beyond this planet, now's the time for the Hare Krishna movement to make its appearance on the world stage. And it has appeared in the form of this chanting, in the form of this movement, in the form of these books. So these things are available for everyone. Anybody can go online and read Bhagavad Gita as it is for free. Um, anybody can chant Hare Krishna at home for free. You can go listen to Kirtan chanting of the Hare Krishna for free. Um, you know, we're, it's not a materialistic movement. It's fully spiritual. Um, so everything we offer is essentially free. Um, we just ask, you know, the price, you know, of full surrender to the Supreme Lord so that we can fully taste that uh, spiritual nectar for which we are always thirsty. You know, we're all seeking happiness in the world, right? But, you know, we're, we're all blind as to what supreme happiness is until we learn about it, until we experience it. So we're offering that education. In all the universities of the world, that department which is missing is the science of the soul, the science of the self. So we're offering that, edu that education to the people of the world. And intelligent people all over the world are uh, appreciating and taking to uh, this uh, curriculum and absorbing it. And uh, you know, recognizing it as the uh, as the uh, you know, the most important uh, part of the human mission is to realize our eternal loving relationship with God. Well, I really enjoyed the conversation a lot, Nkunja, and uh, we got into really some really deep concepts. 
And I'm looking forward to the next one where, I mean, I want to, there's so many more things I want to delve into, so many more questions. And uh, I hope, hopefully uh, you'll be, you'll consider that, uh, you, you, you can uh, partake in that for the, for the next time I, I, I contact you about that. Um, does that sound absolutely, good? Absolutely, absolutely. It's been enlivening. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do it again. All right, awesome, man. I really love the conversation. I love the the philosophizing that we did. And uh, anything else you want to add right now? Just thank you for being a catalyst to such a progressive thinking. And thank you to your audience for uh, following such a healthy train of thought. I mean, this is the substance of our life as human beings to understand our deeper our deeper uh, purpose. So, um, so I'm grateful for the opportunity for all of us to come together and to and to dissect it a little bit. And one thing I want to add Hopefully before, can, uh, yeah, yeah. One, one thing I want to say before we go is is the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. It's I don't think it's a coincidence. This you know you you say that or another Hare Krishna say that the the mantra is equivalent to God, and it's 16 words in a four by four matrix. And that's the that's the quadrant model. It's it's a four by four matrix, and we see that that one unifying pattern expressing itself throughout existence, and that definitely demonstrates that there's something supernatural, something beyond what naturalistic materialist materialistic scientists understand, and even even beyond the religious fundamentalist conceptions of a lot of people that there's something very uh extra mundane going on where we're, we're seeing this 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 one unifying pattern throughout so um yeah that's the quadrant model pattern so yeah thanks so much for coming on Nikunja. and uh Namaste. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Good talking to you, man. Arbo. Arbo.